Hello, I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of Racken and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. This is the kickoff for what I've been calling the Tech Ops series. Um, one of the things that I've heard very consistently is that pulling everything together, understanding how to do the intermediate and advanced levels of a lot of the skills that we need as operators is not well documented, that we don't have the training to really handle the, the next tier of building these skills. And we need the, the skills, that next tier, the 200 and 300 level of how to write scripts, how to set up services, how to run systems. We need those skills to be able to write automation for those skills because automating requires us to really understand a system. We can get by manually, not understanding, doing some cut and paste, but to really build functional systems and automate them in a resilient and robust way, we have to understand more about how they work. And I keep hearing that there isn't enough training, there isn't enough material here for people to learn that skill set. And over the next several months, probably quarters, the Cloud 2030 crew, lunch crew, is going to be taking on these topics. We're going to be digging in to the core skill sets of operators and DevOps engineers and platform engineers uh, around some tools, process, methodology considerations, and then looking at what it takes to really excel, really automate and build resilient systems here. Um, what I, And I consider that the tech ops series of work. Um, in this conversation, we go through those basic sets towards building an agenda. And we identify uh, almost a year's worth of material and topics that we're gonna spend the, the rest of the year digging into. Um, this was our kickoff meeting and you will find um, a fantastic breadth of topics, knowledge, things that we are going to explore. I hope you enjoy listening to our laying those out uh, so that you can then decide to come in and contribute your expertise and your questions about how to make these systems operate productively. Um, without further ado, enjoy our discussion laying out the tech ops agenda. All right, I'm going to transition to uh, the the tech op series. Speaking of things that are hard, and hopefully ways that we can make it make things better. Um, this is this was an initiative um, where I got asked. Um, it, this started as this isn't a Racken thing. It, you know, in in my role with Racken, though, it, there's certain things that that come up that um, transcend our our boundaries and our our really industry challenges, and so. Part of what um, I did was I put together a list of, of things that we see as technical operations challenges across the industry and places where um, if, our, if, if people walked in the door for us as... Um, Uh, as people walked in the door for us as more knowledgeable in these areas, then they would, you know, they'd be stronger operators. And so this is part of what I did was I put together this idea of um, the, of, of what this would look like. And 
one of the things that as we were talking about this internally is you know not trying to recreate the intro like how what is the protocol and how the things work we're going to have to talk about that stuff but what we wanted to do was sit down and say all right if if i'm not trying to teach you what is what is dns but actually say all right we understand what dns is let's really talk about how we're going to operate DNS, how we're going to automate DNS, what things we need to worry about. I'm just using DNS as an example. Um, and and out of that came this idea of, and I, I built a whole bunch of boilerplate, not boilerplate, it's introduction. Um, <laughs> and Beth, I'll, I'll make this link available and, and send it yeah. out. Um, but the the idea is to, is to have um, a series of conversations, um, and I didn't get my list ordering all the way right, of with topics of things that we know, you know, if we spent, you know, 45 minutes talking about certain topics and the goal for the day is to talk about the topics. So I get, get a list of topics out here so we can put together a schedule and, you know, so people who have an interest in that can come. Um, but the idea is, you know, there's a whole bunch of these things that, make if you're good at these things or understand them better it makes you a better operator it's not a product it's it's just these basic skills and then some of it is um you know that second tier of knowledge here of okay i didn't think about that you know how do i actually build automation to maintain this what are the problems of automating this what are the problems of making this work better um, and so that was, that was the goal with these topics. Um, I'll go through them quickly. And then, um, my thought would be open it up for a couple of things. One is to talk about individual topics and expand the outlines for them. And then also talk about things that we're missing and, and, and order for how things are going. And my experience is that should, that, that'll take up most of the time. Um, and also prep for, uh, I can't edit there. Um, prep for um us then having the next the next sessions um the topics the topics that i identified so far were out of band management dcp and pixie jq um and jason parsing this one's uh surprisingly is its own big thing ci cli pipelining um just That's kind you know, of throwback <laughs> it's a throwback but you know this is this is actually um uh, and I was going to add into this, one of the ones I, I, I meant to have included here was um, API design and consumption. Yeah, I was actually going to comment about that because I saw you said RESTful APIs, but APIs is really becoming a big thing, particularly in the networking world um, on how to share data and uh, and, and uh, cross, use for cross-functional type um, things um so you know verizon is we have created it it's a um i was just writing about it um we have about 200 apis that we've exposed of which like 30 or 40 of them are are um tm forum standards um okay and so we're we're, we're taking a standards-based approach um and uh, but the APIs are uh, cover a lot of territory, 
Um, so they can kind of fill in gaps um, between systems. Um, do, you, do you have a, like, is there a separate topic in here, which is um, sort of service orchestration? Um, oh, here's effective, here's, whoops, all right, I did have yeah, APIs yeah, you're, in here already. Um, it's not only service, yes, it's service orchestration, but we're also using for correlation um, and support of uh, operational things so ticket correlation database correlation um I'll, I'll use the example that that um we commonly share with our customers which is um database correlation huh. okay go ahead yeah, what's your example yeah um what it is is you know we have a database related to our systems and our you know what what our circuits are called what our nodes are called blah 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 which is all you know Verizon proprietary we can share our customers can access their piece of it, obviously not other people's pieces of it, but right. they can get access to their piece and they can rename, they can, they can name it something that they, that maps to what their understanding of it is. So like you can change the site, you know, our site's going to have some random number thing and okay. they can have a site that says headquarters or whatever. Um, or London API API. Yeah, yeah. So it allows it allows customers to to take the data and then and then we actually have a mechanism to allow that correlation. So if they they open a ticket and say London office, we'll know that that's actually M twenty seven fifty two B, for example. So uh, so that yes, it empowers self service. So aliasing on, on steroids. Aliasing, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, going back to the REST API thing, um, what item that I think should be added is knowing when REST APIs in particular are not the right choice. Oh, that's a interesting. Yeah. Sometimes you want to use WebSockets instead. Sometimes you want to use GraphQL. Yeah. Well, we should also discuss um, proprietary APIs because a lot of vendors like uh, ServiceNow, for example, uh, Zscaler, have set of APIs that they publish that are proprietary to them. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, uh, and, and an offshoot of this would also be um, extracting metrics from systems mm -hmm. that don't provide standardized Ah, yes. <laughs> yes. Like, for example, mapping, oh, I don't know, uh, SNMP to uh, Prometheus. Mm hmm Interesting. Yep. Well, we, we do a lot of work with our customers correlating um, our uh log information which obviously is focused on the network to their applications so they they want to be able to correlate you know if there's a network outage it's going to obviously affect their applications so they they want to do a bunch of correlation tickets um yeah automating 
yeah, yeah. It's it's automating um, ticket operations. Or, yeah, trouble tickets is what we call it. Um, but it can also be change management as well. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Change management is actually it's almost its own. Um, uh, so you can see I'm, I'm going to have to go back through and uh, reconcile these things because I have. Uh, you just let us at it. <laughs> all right. Let's see. Here we go. Um, this is good. This is exactly what I want to be doing is talking through what these pieces are and then we'll we'll reconcile where they what they what they are. Um Well, empowering self-service, I would, it, there's, that's, there's a lot in there, uh, would be, um, uh, uh, reconciling the, the different naming conventions between the, between multiple systems. Um, it allows, it also allows customers to, um, like, like our systems allow, they can, they can open a trouble ticket in their service now, um, instance, and then it will flow back into our systems. So they don't have to get into oh, our system. Interesting. Directly. Where and how uh, tickets are registered? Yeah. Internal developer portals. Yep. Um, service catalogs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So actually, I think there's there's almost a whole thing on service catalogs themselves, which is right because this is about how do you how do you define these, uh, how to how to up how to keep them up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and of uh, course, AAA authentication, authorization, and accounting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I haven't. Um, yeah. Well, interesting you bring that up because um, empowering self-service, we we actually have a problem with our portal, which is that our portal assumes that the interface is going to be done by a person. So we have, you know, authentication, et cetera, that's based on how mm. people interact with portals as opposed to when you have some automated system <laughs> interacting with it. Mm. I'll use, for example, we we require that they change their password once every 30 days. Don't get me started. I think that's a dumb idea, but I didn't set it up. Um, which you know breaks every every automated script ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm guessing the system was set up before NIST uh, 853. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, interesting. The, okay, the portal is the portal's been around for ten years. And, and it's got some embarrassingly big gaps from a security perspective. Which are in the process of being fixed, by the way. Of course. Makes perfect sense. So you said, is there a is there a broader topic, an Z auth A topic that we should we should cover here? Probably is. Yeah. Um, I would just, that, yeah. There definitely can be. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Actually, just access and authentication uh, in in general is using automated systems. You just have to do it differently. You can't do uh, assume a person's on the other end. We we can talk for an hour about OAuth alone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Never mind all all the like YDC, SAML. uh, Yep. I am. yeah, well, yeah. there's Kerberos and and all of this, right? Um, we even simple things like SSH key management. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, LDAP. Ah, um, uh, yeah, setting up uh, role based systems. Mm-hmm. Um. And then there's even creating uh, creating systems with restricted access or time or time limited access. Um, I think something someone mentioned before was the third A, which oh Rob just wrote the audit, yep. keeping track of who's taking actions as well as that access. We also yeah, got absolutely. the correlation piece with that across different systems. Is the identity the same across the different systems? Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, and 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 figuring out how to do multi-factor if you're automating things, <laughs> like it's pretty hard. <laughs> oh my goodness! Multi-factor with automation. That is a really hard question. Uh, oh my god! It goodness. just doesn't yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then you have the other side of it, which is um, control and rotation of tokens. Yep. God, uh, there's, all, I mean, there's a whole you, thing. If you want to get a, a list of gets... topics for this, you can look at the like the online documentation for FedRAMP security controls. Uh, um, th- those th- essentially you will have a document with like section that goes point by point like these are the controls that, that you need to think of when setting up a secure system uh, and yes like the, those are US government specific because they're FedRAM but uh, they have a lot of overlap with, with other uh, um, other jurisdictions as well like this is, this is more about the process and, and not so much about who Oh my goodness! Is is there an uh, is there an um, automation? Because part of what I'm trying to do, and I'm glad y'all keep bringing this in, it's the automation angle, right? It's automation yeah. and um, third party certification. So, like FedRAMP, does FedRAMP even care about like is? And maybe this is where it gets interesting: is is what type of automation we do with third parties, uh, pen test. Um, you know, well, that's the certification. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pipeline there, audit. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole bunch of audit things. You know, audit test things. Um, it's not just FedRAMP. Uh, you know, any of the regulatory things. Some of them have audits. Oh, some of them required audits. Some of them don't. Um, <laughs> um, 
So, um, supply chain security. Yeah. 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 Supply oh, chain actually, security. S- bomb here. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I put that link here in, in, in chat. So that, that's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a one year old document by now, but uh, a little bit more than that. But uh, this is <laughs> like if you look Look-ly. at the sections, this is the kind of stuff that, that you're looking for, for when, when doing supply chain security. Yeah. And then there's uh, PSI DSS. That's uh, but that's another that's a that's a uh, audit. That's a form of audit. Yeah. PCI DSS. Yeah. PCI 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 dash DSS. Yeah. It's the payment card industry. I forget what DSS is. Right. Um, but it's it's uh you have to if you're going to use uh payment cards transactions, i.e. if you're a merchant, uh you need to comply with that. And if you don't, you get screwed by the PSI industry. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and there's also the whole point about um, um, trying to think of the right phrase, assuring that your automation hasn't been tampered with, which is not something a lot of people are, do do very well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. That would be um, a chain of command. Uh, provenance. Assurance. Yeah. Provenance. 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 That's the word. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, under access, under access and authentication, mm-hmm. uh, another subtopic uh, can also be um, KYC and KYB. So know your customer and know your mm-hmm. business. Yeah. So that that is when essentially you delegate the verification of identity to a third party, so that mm-hmm. you can do. Um, mm. I, either anonymous or or, or pseudo anonymous interaction. Mm. So, like, you, you, for example, it, it, if if I like, if I if I pay with, with with a credit card, um, like the business itself doesn't verify that my credit card is right. Up, it's it's a third party, yeah. and that reduces your liability. Exactly. Um, which is why they do it. So yeah, there's uh uh what's the name of the company? Um uh we do business with them, so I know. Um anyhow, there's a there's a big company, that's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> there, there, there's several, but but yes, yeah. 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 Well, there were two that we did business both with them and they merged. <laughs> so we had to help them with the merger. Uh like, like, and yeah. For example, like if you ever dealt with a with a credit bureau like TransUnion, Equifax, uh, like they do a lot of KYC as well. Hmm. They do, although I'm not convinced, particularly Equifax, if they do a really good job of it. No, the, I, 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 I'm not trying to convince you that they do, uh, <laughs> they but but uh, they're still quite involved, uh, or or. Yes. Or or the the companies that 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 are involved K- KYC get a lot of their data from them. You know, there's they're, another they're company. Called, yeah, there's another company called Choice Point. Are you familiar with them? They're yeah. interesting. Um, <laughs> I don't have any direct deals with them now. Uh so what they do is like 
Uh, there's a lot of companies do employee verification. ChoicePoint does that, among other things. Um, and uh, they also um, like sell, you know, verification of customers. And there was a big scandal a few years ago because it turns out a bunch of fraudulent companies were was were buying their services <laughs> with with information about real companies, and then they were using that information to to target real companies with fraud. So <laughs> um, that was kind of an embarrassment. Um, but anyhow, yeah, there's all these shadowy companies out there, Equifax, uh, and, uh, the, the three credit bureaus are, are of course the best known, but there's a ton of others. Uh, there's one called core logic. My, my daughter, the only reason I know about that one is my daughter worked for them. Um, they do among other things, um, verification of, uh, mortgage, um, uh, applications. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to, because some of what we're describing from an automation and system perspective is is these are integrations with third parties um, yeah. from that that perspective. Um, yeah, it's pretty tricky, actually. Yeah, no, uh, I actually tell you this. This happened. This is a few years old, and I don't think it ever happened. But I week I briefly worked, and this is like goes back fifteen years. I briefly worked for a foundation that was attempting to um, get the remember the uh, big push to get the electronic medical records together. Yeah. So I was working for this foundation that was uh, supported by a number of companies, including Walmart, among others. Um, to uh, create this big database uh, that uh, that companies or that healthcare providers could tap into. And uh, I did not know this before I worked for this company, but it turns out that you can pretty much put together a very robust health record with like three pieces of information. Um, basically, if you get access to the like Quest Diagnostics, which mm. does like 90% of all the tests, and if you get access to the farm, the uh, pharmacy companies, which is basically Walgreens, Walmart, and and um, CVS, which again will get like ninety five percent of all prescriptions, um, and then one other piece of data, you basically can put together a complete medical record of a person. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Uh- privacy yeah privacy concerns health health records there's re- a bunch of regulatory stuff around that um yeah um i'm one of the ones for me is uh is do you have uh log log um like when stuff shows up in in your logs, there's there's accidental, there's log exposure, yeah. um, um, which is which is risky because those that stuff can really um, flag out everywhere. Um, yeah. Well, there's also data os- ostification. What do you mean for that? So, um, 
this is like uh, super sensitive or no obfuscation yeah yeah that that comes up with like um okay. sensitive databases uh medical you know um like uh medical diagnostics um and um uh like pharma pharma trials that kind of stuff um census data Uh, yeah, one of the ones that I like we keep trying to figure out is like some of this stuff you end up with with sensitive data that ends up thrown into logs, not mm -hmm. exactly accidentally, but you you end up with um it, it's accident it's accidental leaking. Mm -hmm. Well, from an op, IP from an address op perspective. That's yeah. Well, IP addresses by G, uh, GDPR consider oh, goodness sensitive yeah. data, and of course, IP addresses fall into logs all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we have this one with email addresses are considered email address and name are considered PII, and 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 we're like, all right. If somebody wants us to remove email address and you know, I, I you know, how do we how do, can we really do that at you know comprehensively, uh, especially when the actual request comes in by email address? So uh, you know, um, <laughs> right? Well, IP address is, I mean, in fact, with CIDR rules, you can actually figure out pretty pretty easily where that person's IP address is actually originating or rather the, the device, I there, should say. There was a, I have a, I have a side story that was related to this. Um, uh, this big, uh, there was a planet money, I think, um, episode about this. What they, there's a big economics, um, forum about, um, it's morphed. It was, it's become like this, sort of toxic um place where people complain and and out and you know say make all these criticisms about other economists it's a sort of insider thing um and the the signatures the post signatures were supposed to be anonymous but the person who used the hashing algorithm um didn't salt the hash and so they were hashing it hiding the ip addresses like they'd hash the ip addresses to create the usernames or they had, whatever the identity was and because it wasn't salted correctly oh. the they could reverse engineer the posters oh i bet to, they use pseudo random number generators that's like the biggest gap Yes. There's a big difference between pseudo random and random random. Well, in this case, it was they were just hashing it without salt. And so you could just reverse the hash and figure out the IP addresses. Oh wow. Yeah. And so because of that, they were able to be like, nope, these are all coming from and universities have stable IP addresses. So they were yep. able to be like, nope, these posters are coming from these organizations. Um and then so, from that, you would know there's only like three people that would be in this organization. Correct. And yeah. yep. 
it was um yeah those are it okay so this is this is exactly the type of stuff i'm looking for so we can sit down and say all right let's talk about dealing with sensitive data from an algorithm from an automation perspective and start thinking through okay i'm you know automating a system how do i you know deal with protect the sensitive data i'm gonna i'm gonna scroll up because some of the, these are um a little more not esoteric but um they're they're it's a different level of considerations than i put into my first in into my first pass it's not not bad um some of these because well, yeah go ahead these are these i mean what you put in originally are sort of tool focused That's and what I'm thinking. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah and so i mean it's not bad i think you should just group them that way so yeah. there's tool focused ones and then there's sort of business operations considerations which is a lot of the ones we've been talking about yes yeah. right. if, if we want to go uh, more in depth like with 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 tool focused ones um we can expand like jq json parsing to just parsing in general like we we can easily talk two three sessions about like handling timestamps or uh parsing like common pitfalls and parsing names or email addresses no there's the whole all regex yeah uh effective red regex Payloads that don't follow uh, a common scheme where data is dynamic. Who expand on that? So one of the things um, from a, a so I do a lot of work with GoLang. One of the pains in the butt is if the the JSON payload isn't necessarily known or changes on me. Mm -hmm. So instead of being able to easily define that up front, depending upon the level of access I have to the system, I have to either guess. Or just leave it as just accept anything and I have to try to figure out a good way to handle that. Oh my goodness, yeah. That's oh. definitely going to be part of a networking as well. Yeah, but logging, like structured versus unstructured logs. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oops. So we're, you're thinking, Trying to keep up structured. Um, there's actually one of the ones that just from an automation perspective is what uh, to capture uh, from an uh, automation log. Uh, and whether it should be a log or something else like traces or, or metrics or metrics plus traces or metrics plus logs or whatever else. Wow, that was fat. okay. Um, God, do we? There's almost a whole a whole section on. I'm not sure where to put this on. Like, what we find is like exiting exit zero, exit one, <laughs> normal exit. When to when to have a normal exit? Uh, let's see. This is a, I, I'm looking for a scripting. Um, I mean, there's all, the scripting itself is going to be huge, but. Um, I have some additions to parsing that might be worth a mention. Okay. Hold on, let me capture a lot my, of, my thought. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, 
Cool. Go ahead. So with parsing, a lot of modern security vulnerabilities are found with errors within necessarily the decoding and mm. encoding of values. So one of the big ones recently was like the WebP format. Anything that was decoding like WebPs, there was an exploit that like just that image format could be exploited on every device that used libwebp. Um, and a lot of people think, hmm, maybe I can just write my own JSON parser instead of using some standardized library. And nobody thinks that a buffer overflow will be the downfall of a BIOS or something. Yeah. Um, it, so internal it like input sonization. Um, it's not even just that. Like, even if you sanitize the input, there's still like, there's, you have to consider the whole supply chain because you could sanitize input at one level, but maybe that value get passed down all the way yeah, absolutely. Oh wow, yeah, that's there's there's an element here. Um, I'd almost move the that into mapping and dynamic payloads. Um, these are these are going to be related. Maybe they're like maybe it's a subtopic. Um, so these really divide into what, why, how. Oh, interesting. If you think about it. I'm going to capture what? So just, yeah, just group them. How? Yeah. I'll have to do that as a follow-up. So what is tools focused? Why is, what are we? No, no. How is going to be tools focused? Okay. What is, what's, what's the, What's the reason you want to do it? As in, okay. yeah, business from the business or what it is. Maybe that's a mixture of tools. Why is clearly the data. <laughs> well, that's I mean, I, I see the how as being more um, standards. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, you could do it that way. You know, Rob, think about it. But what, why, you know, kind of just... Because once you once you define what the what what why how is, mm -hmm. you know, th then it'll kind of group itself. That's what I was right. And well, some of these are you know what I'm what one of the things I started from is this this there's a tactical piece of right we hit like I, somebody not actually understanding how this works. I guess now we're back to how, um, right there. There's an element of you need to understand this process well enough. And then we're going to talk about automating it. And then the automating is going to break into um, a lot of these other concerns. It's like, okay, yeah, I wrote automation that can do this work. We need, we're going to be going through and saying, you know what, we actually need to talk about parsing what the outcome, what the outcomes is mm -hmm. or improving how it's logged. Right. There's, um, there, Right. There's a there's different places where the skills are going to come in. It's we've got a and it's almost like 200. I'm, I've been aiming towards 200 level. Some of this is like 200 and 300 level where you're like, OK, now you actually have automated this service. Um, let's actually talk about how to do certificate management. Certificate's a good example to me because 
to do certificate management, right, you actually have to understand DNS and naming conventions and, and things like that. And then you have to get back into, you know, some mechanical things like rotating certificates, um, what a subdomain is, all those things like how to actually structure a certificate domain so that things work. And then we get into all sorts of stuff that come into you know, some of these, you know, access and authentication, what do we do with sensitive data? Can we, you know, if we, if we have a TLS domain, does that enable us to go through um, some of this automate automation, you know, um, you know, uh, where are we, it was down, down here where you're trying to pass information through that's been signed that you haven't seen. Um, so, you know, signed and, and obfuscated data, but I'm, I, there's an element that I would love to sit down and say, all right, we actually need to talk about how to use hashing and tokens and, and private keys. You know, we, those are both valid topics, right? Some of the advanced things that you can do with it. I, I think there's a general lack of knowledge of like, how do I automate building a um, TLS infrastructure? Right. Uh, Isaac did some work on uh, let's encrypt stuff where he was doing it. But there's a ton of um, that that whole let's encrypt piece. It wasn't just let's encrypt. It was it was certbot. Right, Isaac? I think it was, right. but it was certbot because and that was generic. But, you know, you had to have you know criteria met to set up that cert and the automating a certbot is itself a topic mm -hmm. um in that scenario we had been setting up a lab for users um at a convention and we reached the 25 per day limit uh, instead of using a wildcard cert and uh we had not looked into that before because we had not met it in our testing so that kind of issue is possible Yeah, that that depends on the on the provider, but yeah, you you would run into this. Um, I mean, that, this is also just the tip of the iceberg of confidential computing in general, which which goes back down all the way to the hardware to like, okay, how can you trust your CPU? Oh goodness, yeah, no, hold on, is, did I have secure boot in here? No, I don't. Ah, okay, that's a, that was a thank you. That's an important. And um, the other side of uh, Pixie Boot is, um, well, like, like if you're talking about Pixie Boot, then, then you end up talking about CloudyNet, then you're talking about oh, config goodness. management, which is another huge topic. Uh, you're, I hadn't even caught it. It's another one in, in this. Uh... There's, there's an element of CloudNet that I feel like is a basic topic, but at the same time, I, I've so few people actually really understand how CloudNet works. Um, this is a this is a great one where it's like if we sat down and said, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna talk about you know we're gonna have to spend a couple of minutes talking about how CloudNet works, but we actually want to talk through uh, considerations uh, for scale, uh, securing it." Um, day two operations, 
um oops date two operations um uh on-prem self-managed cloud net um uh oh goodness uh cloud uh, variations by vendor uh because it's not a consistent standard this is this is like I, we could we could, we're gonna spend this there's enough here for the rest of the year but just <laughs> talking cloud init um in itself is is a useful thing because um yeah most a lot of people don't haven't thought through what it takes to actually build the cloud net uh system to spin up and if they did if we actually talked about how to automate that better and make it more resilient you could have a much better outcome last one i'll throw in is a uh, network segmentation Ooh, can you expand on that so the idea of like you've got some uh out of band management pieces i mean any network you probably have like storage network maybe a mm. uh, regular network for normal traffic so even in public cloud you start talking about security groups or in kubernetes you start talking about network policies how do I control communication at the network level to prevent things like lateral movement where a malicious actor gets in and just has free reign to move wherever? Making sure your IoT is on a separate network than your uh, control plane, which is on a separate network than your, uh, your services, and which it's on a separate network from your users and so on. To me, that's definitely one of those things of people that have done it long enough know those things. People new to the industry or new to the space, it just, that's not one of those things that comes up. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've seen so many startups with just flat networks, everything just dumped into there. Like they, they're just really running off and off the shelf, like not, not even commercial router. Um, it's scary. That's an interesting. Yeah, there's so there's physical segmentation and virtual segmentation, um, and then there's there's actually whether or not you can you can have uh, building security boundaries, and, and there's a zero trust in here, which is its own topic. Um, Fun part is when the the physical and the virtual have to talk to one another. Uh, it's actually systems, right? Yeah. Identity aware proxies. What's identity? Oh, and oh, we're out of time. Yeah. Holy cow. We were going to just spend, I'm going to go through um, <laughs> next week. I'm not, I'm, I, I may or may not be available to, to, to do this. Um, I'll probably coordinate with uh, Shane. Is Shane on? Thank you. Shane, Shane, had, right. Shane had to miss it. Um, 
uh, Jay, why don't you and I coordinate if that's all right? Um, we'll 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 start with a a topic. Probably the rest. Um, I'm going to expand this and group them, and then um, I think the best the first the first one to start with is the most basic, which is just um, rest or consuming APIs because everything okay. else is going to be based on that. Yeah, that needs to be a definition. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that'd be a good one to start with. Um, and then from there, I need to look at this a little bit more to figure out what the schedule did to, to, to plan out a schedule for this. Um, I'll probably only do a couple, like three in advance, but coordinate, coordinate with the rest of the team. Everybody, thank you for the input. This was um, amazing. I, I absolutely love when we do a, a sort of survey like this. Um, and I've realized just how much harder jobs actually are. <laughs> How much knowledge we have to have. <laughs> so uh, let's chip away at it. Get it, get it done. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Buddy. Wow. I am stunned with just how much material we added into the outline. Um, I thought I'd covered a lot of important topics and I had just gotten the tip of the iceberg. Um, there is a lot of great material coming for this uh, lunch session over the next several months. And I hope you enjoy listening to them and even participating. You can find out the whole agenda when we are covering which topics at the 2030.cloud. If you have additional topics to bring in, we would love to hear about them. Our goal here is to be comprehensive and complete. And we have um, the time to make sure that what you're interested in gets covered too. I'll see you there. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently, because that's what RackN does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly. Or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and you know laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.